Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Station Square podcast. So sorry for the minor um, little um, stalling or little technical difficulties there, but um, we're here to get this started. And today, um, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Grobert. And um, yeah, hope everybody is staying safe out there. And um, even though um, we are living in a state for... And give all your thoughts and prayers to the state of California right now and all of the fires. And also, recording this on Sunday, um, two days after we had that really big earthquake on Friday night. So, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but um, with all of that said, we're still doing our part and we're still trekking through, getting through these really difficult times. And, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, and all of the latest news, um, and keep yourself updated, keep yourself, um, you know, informed on, you know, recent events and to stay healthy, stay safe and wash your hands and wear a mask. So, yeah, and this new normal life, um, per se. But with all of that said, we don't want to discuss or get too much into politics. We're here to do another interview with a very special guest today. Um, this person has been in the industry for quite a long time. You may have heard him in a lot of very, um, uh, really big anime shows, cartoons, and even on-camera work. And, um, yeah, he's been around the block for so many years. Um, and without me just rambling on or just saying, you know, how awesome he is, I'm just going to let this, um, my special guest, step out of the light and step up bringing him on to the stage and put the spotlight on him. So, yeah, please allow me to introduce the one and only Mr. Benjamin Diskin. How are you doing, my good buddy? Pretty good. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, so you much for, for that. Being here. <laughs> Thanks for that really uh, kind uh, intro, dude. Yeah, uh, good to be here, man. Um, I I'm staying as safe as I can in these trying times. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, good to be here. Good to hear you, your voice and uh, hope, hope you're, you're staying as safe as possible and hope everyone else is too. Oh, yeah, I've been doing my part. It's just, it's really crazy out there, let me tell you. So, oh, yeah. Um, oh, definitely. So, um, Ben, would you be so kind as to give your little intro, I mean, I've already introduced you, but, like, um, would you like to tell the audience out there about, you know, what is it that you mainly do and um, what's your, I guess, your portfolio, the work you've done, and, yeah, all of that good stuff so people can get to know you a little bit. Sure, yeah. I, I'm assuming for those of you out there who have never heard of this guy, which, in that case, where have you been? Have you been the, Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's kind of the life of the voice actor, though, is that, like, people have no idea that they've been, like, listening to you and stuff for years, and they, uh, they don't really know anything about you, and then they go, oh, this same person did, like, all of these characters that I am familiar with. So, uh, so that's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, let's see. Um, I've been a professional voice actor since I was about six years old and I'm 38 now. So it's about 32 years, roughly. Um, uh, let's see. I've done pretty much everything except for audiobooks. Uh, so I've done, um, uh, on-camera work. I've done voiceover for commercials. I've done, uh, uh video games and TV shows and cartoon shows and, uh, anime and, uh, I've just sort of, I'm one of those guys who's sort of like 
in a bunch of stuff and you don't realize it's me until you start putting a few of those puzzle pieces together. And that's kind of that's kind of how I like uh, to be. Like there are there are some people where you go, oh, that's clearly the same guy who played the same character in this other show that's really similar. And he's always like that leading man voice. That's rarely me. I'm usually Soldier B. I'm that guy who's like getting killed off to the side, and you're just like, oh yeah, there's there's a guy who's saying something, and I don't really know who that is. And that's 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 usually my uh, professional experience. But um, I'm always happy to do it. So that's I guess that's basically who I am. Yeah. So um, what does an average day consist of for you? Um. Let's see. An average day, mostly. So. Um, uh, there's a saying that I like, which is I am a, I, uh, the job is the audition and the audition is the job. Uh, most of the time I spend, uh, uh, turning out auditions for professional projects, uh, from home. And that's where you like put in like all of the work. Uh, that's really where you're sitting there just going, okay, I gotta, I have like three lines of dialogue and I have to sell whoever's listening to this on my voice and my performance with just these three lines of dialogue, so I need to make sure they're as good as they can be, and you kind of obsess over it, and you, 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 you refine it, and you tweak it until it's finally just right, and then you send it off. And then the job, if you actually book it, that's that's your chance to show them what else you can do, and so that, that way they, they, they sell you, you can sell yourself, rather, on uh, 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 being one of those versatile actors that they can hire for multiple roles or different projects. And so that's, to me, that's really the audition, is, is getting in front of them in the first place and showing them what you can do. So most of my day is spent working, a.k.a. auditioning, uh, and then, like, you know, just, just boring nerd stuff, I guess, like uh, watching my wife play Pokemon and uh, watching TV and stuff like that. So it's, it's especially now, like, I definitely don't go out anymore. That's not really a thing. Uh, but that's partly because partially I'm an introvert and partially just because, you know, California is on fire and there's a pandemic and we just had a huge earthquake. So maybe it's a good idea to not go running around outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best not to. And also, um, earlier you mentioned you got to make sure that you tweak it and... Yeah, make sure that it's as good as it can be. Uh, artists, you just gotta make the best. Um, you just gotta, it's like your baby. You just wanna give it, um, you know, that special little polish to make it sound like, mwah, just magnificent. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you just pretty much described it perfectly in a nutshell. So, um, yeah, I guess with that introduction out of the way, let's get down to, um, I guess the Q&A session, even though we're not at a convention. Boo. God, I thought you were about <laughs> to say, let's get down to business to defeat the Huns, and I'm very disappointed you didn't go there. But I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you this one time. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So, like, <laughs> uh, to defeat the Huns. Okay. Like, um, yeah, I know that we may still have an opportunity, especially at these trying times. Um, I mean, I'm not going to, once again, I'm not going to get political, but, yeah, let's just say they do exist out there. So, <laughs> anyways, um. Number one, number uno. So, um, I know you probably get asked this a lot. So, when did you first start getting interested with what you're doing right now? Like, how did you get involved with this whole, um, art of playing pretend, the acting? So, what did you, yeah, how sure. did you create a first step from your earliest memories? Yeah, so I, um, I have the weird, unique position of, uh, being in the voiceover, or, well, being in the acting industry, I should say. Uh, before I was born. Um, both of my parents are uh, professional actors, and so while my mom was still pregnant with me, her talent agency said, hey, uh, you know, when your kid's born, we'd like to represent him. And they went, 
all right. And so they signed a contract before I was actually uh, uh, my own person. And uh, that's how I got started. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was just sort of, this was always, I'm, I'm, I gotta, I gotta clarify, I'm very lucky that my parents are not stage parents. Like, they have very, very realistic expectations of me in the industry, which is, you know, he'll maybe book a couple of commercials as a kid, and it'll, it'll help him save up some money for college so he can get a real job as opposed to doing this acting thing, which is, you know, largely horse crap. It's, it's, it's such a, a lottery if you actually manage to be a successful actor. And, um... That was really that was really my whole introduction to acting was I'm the little kid who auditions for commercials and that was it. Um, but for voiceover, voiceover started when I was about six, and I remember it because I did not know how to read. I was still in kindergarten, and uh, it was just me in a room uh, with a microphone, and uh, my agents on the other side of the glass would just tell me what they wanted me to say, and I would just repeat whatever they had to they 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 told me to say. So it'd be like I love. McDonald's and Chicken McNuggets are great. And like, that was all I'd have to say. And they'd go, great, Ben, good job. And um, uh, it only started to become the the trajectory of my career when I was around 10 um, because I had had kind of a bad experience uh, uh, with uh, kids on the playground finding out I was an on-camera actor. But when I started doing this cartoon show, uh, it was based on uh, the Problem Child movies from like the uh, early 90s. And uh, I was the main character in that. I was the problem child in the cartoon show. And all my friends actually watched that show and had no idea it was me. And I realized, oh, I can be an actor and and have this acting experience. And at the same time, I don't have to deal with, like, the weird gross mischaracterization of, like, oh, you're this famous movie star and now we all hate you for no reason. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I think I want to do more of this. And so that's where my career started shifting from on camera to predominantly voiceover. And it was a slow shift, but it eventually just became this is my whole life and this is why I uh, I do it to this day. So um, do you ever have like, you know, experiences where like, um, say you're going to like, I don't know, uh, going to the store to pick up groceries or like if you're just doing, you know, normal, mundane, everyday things, adulting, and then somebody recognizes you and um, they're like, oh my gosh, whoa, I think I've seen this guy before. Like, oh my gosh, you played this character on a show I watched. Wow. Do you ever get recognized in real life if you're just uh, doing like normal stuff? Well, let's see. Um. It's usually going to be, if that happens, it's like a very controlled environment most of the time. Like, it's like, um, oh, okay, like, it would be like, I'm a guest at a convention. And, like, most of the people will walk right past me in the hallway and have no idea who the hell I am. But there's going to be, like, one person who will go, oh, I know you. And it's mostly it's mostly because they saw my face in, like, the brochure that they get, like, the big pamphlet at, the, at every convention with the schedule and all that stuff. And they go, wait a minute. It's you. Ah. But it's very rare that somebody just looks at me and immediately knows who I am. The only time that's actually happened in real life. Well, okay. It happened twice. <laughs> one of them, I was like, wow, this this random British guy recognized me. And it turns out that his name is, his name is Bo. Uh, Bo is actually another professional voice actor who I just hadn't met before. But he he recognized me. And I was just like, I, I guess I've been recognized. Wow, I'm so famous. And it's like, no, dude, you idiot. This is like one of your coworkers. That's why he knew who you were. Um, and then the other time I was in um, uh, Little Tokyo. And uh, I was actually recognized there. But it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, guess who's in Little Tokyo? It's mostly weebs. 
dude is mostly anime fans, so it's like the kind of people that I would meet at a yeah. convention. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But like when I'm just out like walking around, like nobody knows who the hell I am. Nobody recognizes me. I'm I, like, if I stood out like on the sidewalk and yelled, "Ladies and gentlemen, I am Ben Diskin," what you'd have is like some dude across the street going, "Shut the heck up!" Like that's like nobody nobody would care. So no, it's very very rare that I get recognized. And when I do, it it honestly just like confuses me most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's not like if people recognize you for like um, if you're just like a regular Joe. But then like imagine if you're like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like oh my gosh, it's him. And oh oh, speaking of which, <laughs> funny that I brought up Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I just did, you know doing research, and you were actually Sylvester in the the Kindergarten Cop movie. So yeah, That's... let tell us the story about that. Yeah, how you got to be in that movie. Well, I kind of already touched on it a little bit. That was actually the on-camera experience that made me want to do voiceover. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the the movie itself was really fun, uh, but, like, being recognized from it, that was the big problem. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the movie was one of those things where um, it was a giant, giant casting call for all the kids in uh, the classroom, and uh, I actually got really close to being the lead in that movie, but because of the extensive um, amount of uh, filming that they'd have to do and due to child labor laws, they wouldn't have been able to do it unless they hired a pair of twins, uh, which is one of the uh, many reasons, to be fair, that the uh, the Cousins twins, that their last name is Cousins, uh, were hired uh, to play the lead in that movie. Also, they're they're good actors. That's to be clear. That I'm not saying that's the only reason why. Um, but uh, but they were like, well, look, we still do like Ben, so we'll give him a smaller role. And I got to be uh, this. Uh, I was basically the class pervert. <laughs> um, that was my role, and. Uh, yeah, it was just a really fun um, experience. Like, they, they treated the kids, like, really well on that set. Like, they, they built us an entire playground on the Universal lot just for us to, like, horse around on and be kids. So it was, it was, it was like, the closest we could come to a normal childhood while also working on this giant movie. And it was, it was really, really, it was really a fun experience. And uh, uh, my parents made sure I was safe. And, you know, it, we, I'm very fortunate. I did not have one of those traumatic childhood experiences where, you know, some adult tries to do something i'll leave it up to your imagination what i'm talking about and that uh that never happened to me so i had ultimately a, a relatively normal experience and uh, a good one yeah yeah it must have been a really um great experience so um what are your thoughts on the movie itself oh um yeah uh i i think that it's just a it's it's a fun movie and it's interesting to me because it's actually it's a really good performance from Arnold Schwarzenegger at a time in his career when he really wasn't that good of an actor. It's one of those things where, like, a lot of times people will give all the praise or all of the criticism to the actor, and this is just sort of how people typically view the entertainment industry, but to me, that's a, an example of, like, how important the director really is, because our director, uh, Ivan Reitman, he he pulled out all the stops to get, like, this great performance out of Arnold at a time when Arnold really didn't quite know what he was doing. He was just, he was the Terminator. That was what he was used to, is, I say the words that are written and I talk like this and that's good enough. And they're like, no, 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 you have to emote for this. And he was like, oh, how do I do that? And, like, uh, Ivan Reitman was just like, I got you. And he pulled out a really awesome performance. So I, I can watch that movie to this day and go, dang, all right, Arnold, holy cow, good job. Yeah, it's just all like, all right, dude, let me let me show you a few stuff. And then, um, yeah, the performance in the movie just, 
yeah, it just kind of shows you that um, sometimes people can, you can really pull out the best um, out of people. It's just, gives it, you just need to give it that little extra push in order to really see them shine and make yeah, it Yeah, that's usually sparkle. what it is. Yeah, yeah, because I know with projects that you've been on, I know that the same can also be said about the stuff that you work on, correct? Well, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, there's... There are situations. I mean, honestly, it's it's different depending on the different projects. You know, there are cer certain situations where I'll go in and I'll be like, you know what? I know this character. I get this this performance style. I know what I'm doing. I'm ready to rock and roll. And then other times where I'm like, wow, I need some help. I need I need a director who's going to sit in and like tell me exactly what to do because I just genuinely don't know how to approach this and I don't want to same. Screw this up. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that is. Yeah. So, um, and speaking of your childhood, um, let's talk about Hey Arnold for a bit as Eugene. So, yeah, but, yeah, explain to the audience out there, um, you know, how you got the part of Eugene and the whole experience of working on the show. Sure. So, um, uh, like with most most uh, projects, I auditioned for this. Um, I, I tried out for Arnold and Eugene and I think uh, maybe Harold, I think. Um, and I didn't book any of them. And I was like, ah, oh, darn, this looks like a really fun show, but okay, that's fine. And uh, later, um, probably about maybe ooh, maybe a year afterwards, I got hired for Eugene, and I was kind of confused by that, but it's because, you know, they hired real kids for this show. And especially with the little boys, uh, as you know, you get older, your voice changes, and suddenly you don't sound like a little kid anymore. And so they, they wound up going through two different Eugenes, uh, and then they went, all right, we got to replace this guy because... The voice changed, we need somebody new, and so they wound up uh, picking me. Uh, and I was like, so I was technically the third voice of Eugene out of, I believe, four total. Um, and I had like just, I had like the longest run on the show as Eugene. So that was just kind of like, that was that was how I got into that particular project. But I mean, not, not, a, not a super exciting story, but like, yeah, that's how that, that's how that went down. Yeah, and um, I know I also asked this for the Kindergarten Cop, but um, yeah, so what are your thoughts about, you know, the show Hey Arnold itself? Uh, the show is, is one of those, it's surprising because it's kind of, I mean, it's it's obviously it takes place in the 90s, but it's one of those timeless shows. Like, people are still watching it today on, like, T-Nick, and it's, it's fascinating to me because it holds up really well, and all of the experiences that Arnold goes through are so universal and, and and easy to digest that people just still watch it and still like it and it's I, I just think that's cool i mean maybe there's probably some people out there going like well if arnold was in so much trouble why didn't he just make a cell phone call to his his grandparents and get out of that situation and it's like oh right this is the 90s there there was no you know verizon wireless uh, you know, smartphone that you would just whip out and punch in some gps coordinates and find like uh, yeah. yeah but other than that other than that it's 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 um it's it just has a lot of like good morals and complicated characters too like like none of the characters are just these flat 2d like boring like stereotype characters they all have depth even like the bully like harold like you start realizing that he has this other side to him as the show goes on and it's 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 nice to see those sort of complicated characters in a kids show it, it treats the uh, the child audience like they are adults and i think that ultimately that's what kids appreciate more than being talked down to so i like that show i think it's cool yeah and even the stoop kid had a lot of depth in that episode Ooh. yeah yep yeah 
oh yeah definitely i remember you know with the stew kid and of I think the Stu Kid was voiced by uh, Danny Cooksey, and um, yeah, I think that he has this natural voice where he could play like, you know, a lot of the rowdy, rough teenager voice, and I think he was perfect for the role, and um, oh, yeah. yeah, but the Stu Kid really had, he, he even had a lot of depth, and the creators mm-hmm. and writers really know how to flesh out the characters and give them, um, you know, this heart that audiences can really connect and relate to. Um, oh, yeah. And it just really made the characters all likable, all of them. Even the adults, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pigeon Man. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on about the show, well, think, but... I've, isn't there, like, yeah. an episode with, like, Mr. Wynn, I believe, who, like, Mr. finds his, like, Wynn. long-lost daughter who is, like, separated yeah. from him in a war? Like, it's like, geez. Like, they, they didn't pull a lot of punches. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that... It's the Christmas episode. I remembered that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like I said, it could be, and it's also one of those shows where um, it's a combination of, it could be a drama, it could be a comedy, it could be funny, hardworking, tragic, heartbreaking, and it could definitely be a little creepy, but most importantly, it really know how to set the, really knew how to balance all of the tones and keep it consistent, and yeah, they really did such a great job on giving us a show yeah. that is pretty much considered a classic, that you know, it's like you mentioned, it's still running on T-Neck, and yeah, people mm-hmm. still enjoy it to this very day. So, before we ramble on much longer, I do have another question. So, um, <clears throat> so how would you say that acting, whether it be in theater, on stage, like you know, on camera work, is different from when you're performing in front of the microphone? What's more fun and what's more challenging from your sure. perspective? Sure. So, um, let's see. Um, the closest I think that you get to voiceover that isn't voiceover is probably theater, uh, mainly because the performance style has to be there. Like, usually when you're doing theater work, you have an audience, and sometimes, you know, the audience is very small and it's, it's very intimate, but a lot of the times it's a bigger audience and there's people who literally can't hear you. So you have to figure out a way of expressing things through your voice because they, from that far away, they can't really see the facial expressions you're making. They can't see the subtle hand gestures you're making. So everything has to be not uh, cartoony and broad, but clear enough just in your voice alone that they can understand what your emotions are. And that really lends itself very well, I think, to the world of voiceover. Um, on camera, it's one of those less is more, less is more, less is more kind of situations where it's like, look, we're going to be zoomed all the way into your freaking face. We, you, you twitch like an eye and we see it and everybody can tell. So it's one of those be more subtle and, and, and don't overact at all. The, the less you do, the, the more impactful it can be. Um, and then there's, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, uh, boy, there's there there are a lot of different art styles out there and performance styles out there, but none of them really quite compares to voiceover for me anyway. Because especially with voiceover, I don't have to memorize anything, and I really really <laughs> like that. Like I like being able to look at the sides and and just read a little bit ahead and go, okay, I know where this is going. I have the confidence of knowing what my dialogue is going to be. Now I just have to worry about the performance. Uh, on camera stuff, it's a lot of memorize, memorize, memorize. Okay. Now make it sound like this is your natural thought. And it's it's that time-consuming thing that I just kind of don't really like that I don't have to worry about in voiceover. So as, as stupid as it sounds, I'm like, yay, not memorizing. Go voiceover. <laughs> yeah, and um, I know because with on-camera, they have these really close zoom-ups, and, you're ju- and in your mind, you're just kind of like, oh, no, they're not going to see my bookers in my nose, are they? 
<laughs> so, or well, the good news here. is if they do, there's, there's going to be somebody on set saying, hey, uh, we need you to blow your nose. Uh, we need to, yeah, you got a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. And even with voiceover, though, it's just kind of like its own little thing because there's voiceover for animation, there's anime, video games, narration, promo, commercial, and it's just, yeah, so, so many flavors and so many ingredients to delve into in the yeah, industry. Yeah, it, so. it definitely helps if you if you can be kind of a jack-of-all-trades. And oh, and also, like, I mean, with... With the introduction of video game voice acting, it's that's actually brought in a layer of on-camera performance uh, because in some cases it's they they they're, they're going look we want this we're going to have this very realistic art style so we want the characters to sound like they are real people not voice actors in a booth so you got to figure out how do I give that same kind of on-camera performance uh, but still sell it from a voiceover perspective and then there's just straight up mocap where they're like okay you are going to be in this room and uh, uh, you are going to memorize your lines just like you would for on camera, and you're going to perform the whole thing. We're going to capture everything, so it's practically like on camera has invaded voiceover uh, through that. Yeah, exactly. And um, interestingly enough, um, I was doing research for um, with the video game um, in the voiceover industry because you know SAG Aftra, there was like that big video game strike that happened a couple years ago, and um, yeah, it was um, a rather fascinating time um it's in the industry where if you want to look more into it i'll probably link it in the description um and the yeah like i'm mentioning this it's probably there's a lot more to look into so i'll just link it by the time this goes up so yeah i just wanted to point this out um now that we're on the topic of video games but um okay yeah i'll ask you about favorite stuff in a minute but um so upon when you first started out um and looking at where you are right now did you expect to get to where you are? Or, like, did you expect to be, like, um, oh, my gosh, Ben Diskin. Yeah, did you expect to be, like, you know, recognized over the last few years in the industry? Well, I don't think that I am recognized, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I I did not expect to be doing this professionally. I'll say that. I, uh, I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, I was, I'm going to be an astronaut. That would be cool. Or a firefighter, because I was very, very generic as a child, apparently. Uh, but... Um, no, I was, I was, uh, it, this was always billed to me by my parents and by, by a lot of people as this is a thing you do for a little while, you get some money and then you get a, a job and that was it. Um, but no, I, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that I've been able to kind of keep going as long as I have. And, uh, yeah, no, I definitely didn't see this coming, but I'm happy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like if you're wanting to be, um, like, what's an example? Okay, so imagine that you're wanting to start off, you wanted to be an astronaut or a doctor, and then um, it turns out that you kind of have a knack for doing, for this acting, and, you know, doing imitations and, you know, all of that stuff, and then <laughs> your eventual career is a voice actor, and you're like, okay, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> well, you, you know, there's there's yeah. so many people, though, for whom that is kind of the situation, where it's like, especially if they're, it's a different form of performance art, like, uh, I know a lot of people started off doing improv comedy or stand-up comedy, and, like, their stand-up is good, their improv is good, but it never really went anywhere, and then they just sort of wound up stumbling into the voiceover industry, and they're like, oh, hey, this is pretty cool. Same thing with singers, uh, dancers, um, and, and, and there are also people who have like jobs that you'd think have nothing to do with the industry and somehow they wound up getting in, uh, like, uh, one of my uh, contemporaries, her name is uh, GK Bose. She's a, a scientist. She's working on getting her, her doctorate 
and uh, she's also a voice actor. So it's it's one of those things where you're like, well, that has nothing to do with voiceover or performance of any kind, but there she is. So yeah, no, people just kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, a really, really great uh, pool of quicksand. Like people aren't expecting to get stuck in it, then they wind up getting stuck and they go, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in... Oh, actually, this is pretty cool. You know what? I'm going to hang out in this quicksand. That's kind of what the voiceover industry has been like for, I think, a lot of people. Yeah, it's just completely unexpected. It's, um, you know, you have a career that it just snowballs into another one. But you know what? I'm just going to, you're just going to have to be all like, you know what? Fine. Let's do this. I'll take it. I'll gladly take this. Heck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, what is your recording setup, or at least the setup that you're using for like quarantine? And yeah, yeah. Would you like so this, to explain it to us. Well, well, this was my my auditioning setup. So I, I I'm kind of fortunate that I became this sort of like I'm not an audiophile in the sense of I know a lot about audio, but I became very particular about the way my auditions sounded many years ago. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like driving out to my agency every single time I need to do an audition because it's basically an hour and a half in traffic going there, then waiting there for another hour and then coming back home in another 45 minutes. And like, this is most of my day just to audition. So, so I was like, I'm going to audition from home. And I got like a blue Yeti and I recorded it in my closet. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, I, I there's there are certain rules that I can't do from home because if I have to yell, my neighbors are going to hear me. So I was like, all right. Screw it, I'm going to get a voiceover booth, and I got a, a, a custom-sized VO booth for my home just to do auditions from, and I was still using my Blue Yeti, but at least I was in a well-treated space, and I could yell as loud as I wanted to, and I started slowly but surely updating my uh, my system. I got um, uh, an Alesis um, uh, 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 USB uh, mixer, and I got a Studio Project C1 microphone. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I want to step this up. I wound up getting a Focusrite Scarlett Solo. And then I, uh, I, I got a, uh, I said, you know what? I'm, I, I want to get a professional grade microphone. So I said, screw it. I saved up a bunch of money. I bought a Neumann U87 AI, which, um, for those of you out there, that is a, that's kind of the Cadillac of, of voiceover microphones. They're very expensive, but this is what a lot of studios use. And I said, I'm going to get that. Now I'm using an SSL2 audio interface uh, from Solid State Logic. And I'm still in the same voiceover booth. And now this, which was my, uh, Ben is obsessed to a stupid degree with audition quality, is now my, okay, this is my home studio. So this is where I'm doing all of my professional work. And I got very lucky that I was that stupidly obsessed because I already had all of this technology. So when quarantine hit, I was like, well, hopefully this is good enough for professional work. And most of the studios have said, yeah, we can, we can work with that. That sounds good. And uh, that's why I have what I have. But... Boy, I feel really bad for some of the people out there who have not just been saving up for years and, and putting all this stuff together because in, like, the span of, like, a few months, it's like, hey, hope you have, like, a whole bunch of professional-grade recording equipment at home, and otherwise it's going to be real tough for us to work with you. And that's where a lot of people are in, and it's it's not easy, and it's it's sad and frustrating. So I'm I'm one of the lucky ones that I just happen to have all this stuff already. Yeah, and I could hear it, and it definitely shows on your end. Um, really nice, smooth voice you got there. <laughs> it really well, does show. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it. Well, I mean, it, it's it's hard to tell. I think on on Discord, there's already a lot of like audio compression, but like, uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing the importance of the recording environment over the microphone because like even with like my mic. <laughs> My, my Blue Yeti, which are like a lot of people will like give a hard time to about people who use uh, professionally or, or, or who are like amateur voice actors. But 
Uh, it sounds actually not bad in here, but it's just because I have a well-treated space. And it's it, it, it goes to show you just how important it is to have, like, your room properly treated for, for voiceover. Otherwise, it sounds kind of, you know, you sound like you're you're in a bedroom or a living room. And or there's there's echoes or a bathroom at, in worst-case scenario. But, yeah, if, if you focus on getting your, your, your room treatment right, it can make a huge, huge, huge difference in just the audio quality alone. Oh yeah, right now I'm actually getting this closet, a closet fully acoustically treated. Um, right now I'm using the ET2035 with the Focusrite Scarlet Solo 3rd Gen, so yeah, so far nice. um, not really having too much problems, um, but I just had to open up the closet a little bit because um, this is kind of a rather small, tight, cramped one, so I'm hoping to expand it in the future, so wish yeah. me luck. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like, you, uh, when you, because uh, I'm going to be sending you the my recording backup of this, and uh, what you're going to see when you look at the WAV file is a bunch of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, definitely. In other words, where it goes like this, well, uh, basically here, ah, uh, ah, uh, there's that huge gap in between there. That's because I'm muting myself and opening the door and fanning a bunch of cool air in here because holy cow, does it get hot. So, yeah, I feel oh, you. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Yeah, even over here because um I don't live close to like you know the beaches, so it's just kind of like I live closer to like, um like Orange County and you know the mountains, so it's just um by the way both living in LA, yay. So um yeah, and it just gets super hot over here during the summertime, and um yeah, it just still gets hot like around October, November, so it's just like oh gosh, please, yeah. <laughs> like can wintertime just come already? That's just always how I feel. Like, I'm just always, it's just kind of weird, like, in wintertime, it's just like, oh, it's so cold, I just can't wait for summer to get here, and then summer gets here, I'm like, oh, winter, please come back. God, I, <laughs> see, like, I'm, I'm born in the summer, and I'm just like, I hate summer, I don't care, I want winter all the time, I can take the cold, I can't take this much heat. You know what? Honestly, I prefer to be cold than hot anyways. That's just me. So. You know, it's easier to put on clothing than it is to peel off your own skin. So, uh, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. No, please do not. I mean, I'm really hoping that people don't will not have to experience sunburn, especially, you know, for this time of year anyway. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's go on to some. Let's move into the... Let's transition into the fun stuff. So, okay. of all the roles, characters, you have voice for projects. Okay, and I know this is probably going to be a little tricky for you. What have been your favorite ones you've gave performances to so far? Um, let's see. Well, it changes. Uh, it, it changes based on, like, my mood, but also just sort of, like, uh, my experiences through life as they go on. Um, for I, I would say for a long while it was uh, number one and number two from Codename Kids Next Door uh, because that was the first like really major uh, role or well I guess roles uh, in an animated series that I ever had uh, that was actually like a popular animated series. Um, then it became uh, Venom from Spectacular Spider-Man. Venom is one of my absolute all-time favorite uh, anti-hero slash villains uh, in the Marvel universe, and uh, getting to step into that was a huge honor and was really cool. Um, and uh, right now, oddly enough, it's it's um it's this anime on Netflix called Agretzko, and I play like a hyena who works in an accounting office, and uh, that's that's like currently like my, my my current favorite role. But yeah, it it's it 
it just it shifts and it depends on where I am in life. So I don't really I can't really say for sure. This is my favorite. Nothing will ever top that because who knows? Maybe five years from now I'll be like, yeah, Haida from Agretzko. That was a long time ago. But now, ah, this is the new, you know. So, yeah, it's it's the the truth is here's the crappy answer, which is, oh, my God, don't make me choose between my babies. But that's that's yeah, that's it's the truth is I don't really have a permanent favorite one that I can really be like, that's the one. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, um, oh, it's kind of like having to ask who's your favorite child. I get that. I get that. So you could say that um, some of your personal best work are the characters that you've pretty much just described to me, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, voice acting wise, or or at least acting, um, in general. So, who are some of your role models or inspirations, um, in the industry? Who are the people that you look up to the most? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, it's it's mostly the people who have the kind of career that I want. So, like for instance, I like guys like Frank Welker, Jim Cummings, guys like that. Or to me, that's that's like. That's my that's my life goal. Like I don't need to be the lead in everything, but what I do want to be is is that guy who is just constantly working like decades later he's still relevant, he's still being used and he's still getting all these roles because people just go, "Yo, that guy's good. We know we can hire him and get a, a quality performance." Um in terms of like individuals, uh the it, well like those two guys are definitely uh heroes of mine. Uh it's probably somebody like D Baker who's like extremely uh, versatile and talented and also very humble and polite because I I respect people who have that they have the potential to be maybe arrogant or bossy but they don't. They don't they don't become that kind of person instead they're just always friendly and and helpful and smart and efficient that kind of stuff i i look at them and go man that's that's what i want to be when when i when i grow up even though i'm 38 you know when i grow up i want to be just like that and that's so those are those are the those are those are my life goals career wise i would say is 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 people like those three for sure yeah, and um, you can even list some of the people whom, whether they be actors you've worked alongside with, or, you know, personally, IRL, who do you also consider to be very good friends in the industry? I know you mentioned Dee Baker, anybody, and you also mentioned G.K. Bones. Um, any others that seems to come to mind? Uh, some of that broke up on my end, so I couldn't quite understand the question. Uh, could you please repeat it? Oh, sorry. Um, who do you also consider to be good friends, like people that you know personally? Like oh, actors. people I know personally. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I actually know a lot of my contemporaries. Uh. More. More. Uh, better than I do. Uh, some of the people who came before me. I. I think that's just kind of. That's kind of typical. Like you know, you you gravitate towards people who are around your age and your experience level. So, um. Like basically, if if they have been in anime recently i probably know them and consider them a friend that's just sort of like just on on average um but yeah uh i'm i'm oddly enough i'm having trouble like like picturing like exact specific people but like if you heard them you, they're probably a friend of mine or at very least somebody who like i will like get along with and and uh talk to frequently so I, that's not really a great answer but yeah yeah, fair enough. So, um, since, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned Dee Bradley Baker at Conan Kiss Next Door, um, yeah, number one and number two, I was, yeah, because playing two major, two major roles in a show, that must have been, um, completely new to you, and, um, yeah, how is the audition process like, uh, 
yeah, know, the, getting through roles and work, your experience of working on that show. Right. So the audition experience for that was was really kind of unique. Um, basically, uh, Tom Warburton, the uh, creator of the show, he already had a voice in mind for the role of number two, uh, which was, um, oh boy, uh, Sue Rose. Um, for those of you guys who remember this show, uh, it was a show called Angela Anaconda. Um, if you want, so she played Angela Anaconda. So that voice was who he pictured for the role of number two. Uh, Colette Sunderman, the casting and voice director for the show, uh, convinced him, said, listen, why don't you put this role up for audition? I know, I know you want to hire Sue, but let's, let's hear who else is out there just in case. And he said, okay. So I auditioned for the roles of number four, which went to D Baker and the role of number two, because that was an option. Um, after the audition, uh, Tom said to Colette, oh no, I think I got to tell my friend Sue that I'm hiring somebody else for this role. I'm going to hire this guy, this Ben guy. And so that's how I got that role. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he originally, if I understand, if I remember this correctly, he wanted Tom Kenny to be number one, uh, but Tom's voice wasn't quite right for that character. Uh, he, he'd worked with Tom uh, on a, a short called Kenny and the Chimp, uh, and he played Tom, Tom Kenny played Kenny. Uh, and uh, that's how they knew each other. But he was he was like, you know what? This isn't quite the right role for Tom. Let me see who else is out there. So then they hired uh, an actual young boy uh, who was, I think, like around 12 or so at the time when he got hired to play number one. Uh, this kid was not British, but his mother was. So he'd grown up hearing the British accent his whole life, and he could do it perfectly. And uh, then uh, the kid went off to summer camp, and when he came back... Well, as young boys do, his voice had completely changed. And they went, oh, no, we can't use him now. All right. <laughs> now we got to, okay, we've already held auditions for this character like once before and to find this kid. So, all right, well, what else can we do? And they're like, all right, we need to record this freaking pilot already. So they were like, okay, we already have Dee and Ben already on this show so let's just have them audition for the role of number one. And so we did. And so uh, I did my voice for number one. And he was like, you know what? I think that's the voice I'm going to use for number one. So that's how I wound up playing two of the main characters in the pilot. Then the pilot had to go on to win a Cartoon Network big pick, which was like this uh, uh, contest. And it won out of about uh, nine other uh, uh, animated shorts for Cartoon Network to be the next cartoon cartoon, which is what they were calling their original animated series. Uh, and that's how it became a show. And then the show was popular and went for like six seasons. So it was basically this incredible long shot that I would even get to be on the show, let alone like two of the main characters. It was this complete and total fluke in my career. Uh, but it was like the first really big and most influential uh, show that I got to work on. And so that's that's how that all went down. Wow. So how did you base, um, how did you come up with, you know, the character voices for number one and number two? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, you were like a, a giant ball of static oh, for a oops. second there. And then I heard something oh, about Oh, sorry. How did two. you come up with the voices? Like, how did you, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, number, number two was just, I, I, I made that voice based on the way he looked. I was like, well, okay, he looks kind of chubby and he's into nerdy stuff. So I, his original voice was actually, was kind of like this. It was sort of husky and kind of deep like this. And it slowly started to turn into this voice over here. Um, just as the show went on. Uh, but that's, that was just, that was just my own idea. 
And then uh, number one, it was just like, well, I'm just going to do my best British accent, and hopefully that's what they like. And it turned out that's what they liked. So uh, that, that that was there was there wasn't a lot of creativity. It was just me just going, well, I'll, I'll try this. I'll throw this against the wall, see what sticks. And that's how I came up with the voice. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, okay, time to use my British accent for the for number one, and then do number two at the. I mean, like having two characters play off each other, bounce yep. off each other a lot. Do people think that you're crazy for doing that? <laughs> Uh, not in the room because I'm full of crazy people who also do all of that stuff too. So it's like, all right, yeah, I'm just going to talk to myself. People are like, yep, that's what you do. So uh, no, I think if, if if somebody saw me rehearsing, they would probably think I was insane. Uh, but no, though, everybody who watches me do it is is a, a longtime professional voice actor. So they all they all they all knew yeah. it was coming. So let's talk about Venom from Spectacular Spider-Man. And oh boy, I know you probably got. I know I've heard stories like um, you might have told it at panels, but um, yeah, your experience of working on Spectacular Spider-Man as Venom. And you mentioned that this was quite possibly your physically, like your hardest role for you, like physically on the voice. Yeah. So let's oh, let's yeah. hear about that. Talk talk to us about it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, Venom was a character that I tried out for. Uh, I feel like I tried it for multiple times because the casting process for Spectacular Spider-Man, it was like I feel like they did it like two different times like they, they they had us audition like a year ago and then we heard nothing and then we all re-auditioned again and then i got to like the second audition the second callback the this yeah that's right it was the second callback now that i remember uh was they were like okay we're going to have you do uh your creature voice for this and then we're going to have you dub to yourself uh to play this in your own regular voice and we're going to layer those on top of each other and see how it sounds and that's ultimately where they made the decision of like yeah that's the sound we want that's the sound we're going to go for 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 venom um and uh you know when you're a when you're a dumb kid uh you don't think about things like gee is this uh safe for my voice to do can i actually do this for long periods of time now i can kind of do that voice for long periods of time i've gotten used to it but at the time ooh Ooh-wee! There was a lot of uh, strain uh, to um, maintain the uh, the creature voice for that many hours uh, of recording. And uh, yeah, that, that actually, like, it messed me up so badly that for the next week after doing one of the episodes in season two, I I could not speak right. And I, I got, like, sent home from other auditions and callbacks and, and jobs because they were like, Ben, we can't use this. You do not sound like yourself. Sorry. And I'm like, oh, no. But um, yeah, that's... That, that, that was the most challenging. But the, the show itself, honestly, it's, it's one of the absolute best Spider-Man cartoons that have ever been made. Um, and it's like it's, it's, it's just such an honor to have been on the show in the first place that, like, I don't regret absolutely any of that. It was just it was just way too fun. So, yeah, <laughs> that was my experience on Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, it and it really had cool. a really talented voice cast, too. Like, um, you know, there's Josh Keenan as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker himself. And, of course, how could we not... We cannot forget Steve Bloom as the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, Steve, if you're listening out yes. there, love you, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, it had such a great cast, and it had really good writing. And um, I know you also talked about this um, more in depth about the character of Venom, um, you know, Peter's friend. And yeah, it's just, if you guys want to watch that particular Kerr blog, um, I'll definitely probably link it in the description to this. Um, yeah, too, if you guys want some more um, in-depth details about it. So, yeah, um, let's see. There's also, um, oh, okay, so for Digimon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
So, like, oh, yeah. yeah, I actually thought that you doing that really high-pitched voice for Qmon and a bunch of other Digimon, like Xiaobin, yeah, let's, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. So, yeah. Tell us about those two characters. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, um, I've been watching Digimon, uh, especially since uh, Tamers, which was the third season. I Like, the first two, I was like... Yeah. I was kind of iffy on them, to be honest, but Tamers was really, really cool, and uh, that was kind of like the, the part where I was like, you know what, I'm on board, this is a neat show. And so um, when the audition sides came out for uh, Digimon Fusion, uh, I was just really excited to just get to try out for the role, um, and I managed to book Shoutmon, who is the, the lead Digimon in that particular season, and I was like really excited to, uh, and uh, I don't know why, so um, I'd watch the whole series in Japanese with English subtitles, and... As I'm sure a lot of voice actors do, when you when you watch a show, you start creating like a voice in your head, and you might even get attached to the characters. Well, that's that was for me and Cutemon for some reason. I was just like, I, there's a voice that I have somewhere inside of me that, would, that I know is right for this character, and I started like messing around with it while I was watching it in Japanese until I had that voice. And then in the recording sessions, I, I just started kind of pestering people, which is, by the way, it's something you're not supposed to do. It's not professional. But I was just like, hey, so, uh, you know, well, um, so who's who's playing Cute Mon, though? And, and, I was, and, and they're like, well, we're not really sure. And, and, and I'm like, like, well, you know, what about me? I, I mean, I might have a voice. And they're like, well, Ben, Cute Mon's a girl. And I'm like, actually, no, Cute Mon's a boy. That actually is, is like in a future episode, it gets addressed. And they went, oh, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, so could I maybe try? And they're like, uh, 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 well, okay. And I'm like, I'll just, just a scratch. It's a scratch track. And then you can replace it if you don't like it. And they're like, all right, sure. And so I started doing Cute Mon's voice. And they're like, all right. And then, like, later on, I, I, I kept expecting them to be like, okay, well, anyway, we've hired, like, an actual different actor to play this character. And they just never did. They just kind of, so I just sort of, like, kind of awkwardly weaseled my way into that role, which is, like, again, you're not supposed to do that. Like, if you're an amateur voice actor, please don't do what I did. I'm, I got lucky that they didn't get pissed off at me for doing that. But, yeah, that's that's how I got that role. It's just annoying people until they let yeah, me Yeah, I'm really them. happy. I'm kind of, it's rather fortunate that, uh, you know, with, yeah, definitely don't do something like, something like this because um, that could kind of get you, that could really get you um, kicked off the show or even blacklisted. So, yeah, please don't do it, but at least, yeah. Well, well, it's it's unlikely it would get you blacklisted. I mean, industry blacklists are actually a lot more rare than people think they are, but uh, I will say this, though. I did do something that you definitely should not do, uh, which is, I, okay, so because I'm a Digimon fan and I know a bunch of stuff, I was, like, giving notes to the studio about all of the errors in the show. I was like, okay, this character is actually a wolf. He's not a, he's not a giant cat, so we can't have somebody calling him a, a little kitty cat. We have to call him a little puppy if we're going to use that because technically he's actually part wolf, part drill. It's in his name, you see. His name is Dorurumon, which is Doruru is, is, is from Doril, and Garuru is the sound that a wolf makes. It's drill wolf is basically his name. So therefore, and they're just like, okay, 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 Ben, all right, all right, okay, well, all right, we'll change it, we'll change it, Jesus. Christ okay uh, all right and and like eventually the one thing that got me actually in trouble was there's a character uh, he looks like an angel but he's made out entirely of blades and his name is Surashu Anjiman in the Japanese so obviously the translation should be slash Anjiman in the um, in American pronunciation in, in, in English and uh, somehow 
in the official, there's like an official document of what the characters' names are in in Japan. The translation was slush Anjaman, like like a slushy. And I was like, okay, well, this is obviously wrong. We we should change this. And they said we can't because it's like that's the name of the character in the official Bible. We can't mess with that. And I reached out to like the producer on Facebook and was like, can we please change this? And that's what I got in trouble for was like Ben, uh, like, like Jamie Simone, he's a very nice guy. He runs the studio we recorded this and he was very polite, but he was like, Ben, I know you care about the show. Please do not reach out to the producers ever again. And I'm like, oh God, okay. And now I've, that's officially the line I crossed. You don't do that. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to just tone this way the heck down, and I'm just going to let them do what they want to do, and if there's a mistake, I'm not going to make a big deal, and you know, let's not ruin my entire career by, like, being that guy. So, But that's, like, the one time in my life where I've been, like, way too hands-on-y and pushy. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, if you're listening, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't make my mistake. I, but like, yeah, that's, that, that was my experience working on Digimon was part actor, part annoying fanboy encyclopedia for stupid, useless trivia yeah, that nobody um, would righteously care just about. Just don't do it. Just don't do it, please. <laughs> so yeah, um, I guess when it comes to range in the voiceover industry, um, you're certainly no stranger for voicing, you know, crazy, wacky, cartoony, cartoonish villains like um, the oddball character from Chris Diossi's Tom Train of Magical Expertise, and even, of course, um, you know, young Master Xehanort from Kingdom Hearts, that I know there's um, an interesting story of how you got the role for that game. Yeah, uh, Kingdom Hearts is, uh, the whole process of recording Kingdom Hearts is a giant question mark with an enigma. So, like, if somebody said, like, hey, man, uh, how do I get in? I want to be on Kingdom Hearts. I would say, well, you know what? Good luck, because I got no clue. I auditioned for, I believe it was Final Fantasy, uh, Type Zero, I think is what it was called. And they hired me for Kingdom Hearts based on my auditions for that game because they liked the way I slated uh, for, for all of my roles for that particular project. So in other words, I didn't audition for Kingdom Hearts. I was randomly hired based on how I said, hi, my name is Ben Diskin. I'm trying out for the role of this and I've read and agreed to the non-disclosure agreement. Like that's how I got the role of, of young Xehanort in Kingdom Hearts. So go figures. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's what that, so yeah, like it's, it's, it's just, it's just a strange process sometimes and you never know where one thing is going to, going to lead you, but that's, yeah. that's kind of so what it's my just kind of like, been. Hi, my name is Ben Diskin. I'm auditioning. I've signed the NDA and, um, they pretty much just told you. Yeah. Well, so kind of though, like, okay. So what they wanted was they, they wanted that verbal NDA for all of the characters and I'd already done all of the auditions and I was like, oh man, I don't want to have to like record a different non-disclosure agreement slate thing for like each one of these characters. I don't even remember what voice I did for each one of these characters. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do one and I'm going to, and then I'm going to rapidly list all of the names. So it's like, hi, my name is Ben Diskin. I have agreed to the non-disclosure agreement. I'm auditioning for the role of Ace, Josh, Steve, Wack, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until I was done. And it, you, they basically heard in my voice for the slate this this person who just clearly didn't want to be there and didn't care and was just like, ugh, screw me, F my life. And that was what they were looking for for the character of young Xehanort was this very flat, detached read. And that's what sold them on it was the fact that I just sounded like a freaking, not robot, but like just kind of dead inside for each one of those <laughs> slates. 
Stop. There you go. I'm Bendis. Can I really do not want to do this right now? <laughs> yep. So there you go. Um, I guess they pretty much found exactly what you're looking for. Um, even if it's in a freaking slate. Um, hey, at least you're doing something good. <laughs> and it just kind of seemed to be what you know Disney um Square Enix so. was looking for. So um, congrats. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'll take. Yeah, I'll take it exactly. There's I'll also take characters it. Thank like, you. Um, uh, you know, Sai from Naruto, and also one of your other well-known roles. Um, let's talk about Bad from the Seven Deadly Sins. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Seven Deadly Sins is just it's it's uh it's one of the many anime that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of, uh, and it was uh. I was kind of surprised, actually, at the fan reception for it because I was sort of like, you know, you, you never really know when you're working on one of these shows which one is going to be popular and which one isn't. Sometimes you put, like, just a ton of effort into a show and, like, two people see it, and then you just kind of go, all right, here's, like, a, a decent performance of mine, and you're just sort of, like, looking back and forth between your phone and the, the, the screen that you're dubbing to and not really, like, putting in the effort that you probably should be putting in. And then it turns out that's the big hit. That was kind of Seven Deadly Sins. So, like, season one is, for that, was for me, it was like, oh, wow, uh, uh, gee, I guess people like this show. I probably should start putting some serious effort into the performance. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that that was, uh, that Bon is just like this, it works for Bon at very least because he is that guy who's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm immortal and nothing really can kill me, so, uh, anyway, whatever. And so me doing my stupid, like, I'm not really paying attention because I'm, like, looking at Twitter while I shouldn't be reads wound up working well for the character, I guess. So that's that's good. Um, but, yeah, now nowadays when we do the show, I'm, like, a little more focused because I actually want to make sure that people get, like, a good performance out of me and I'm not being a giant uh, Yeah, that's the nicest um, way. We want to keep things PG here. That is the folks. nicest way. I um, but, yeah, so let's talk about the two... Um, or technically three, but yeah, let's talk. Yes. Let's discuss about JoJo. Let's talk about Joseph Joestar. I guess the biggest role, or one of the biggest ones that every but a lot of people seem to really know you for. So yeah, let's talk about Joseph Joestar and your experiences with JoJo, in general. Yeah. So um, I am friends with Kira Buckland, yeah, uh, she's who awesome. is like one of the biggest JoJo fans on the planet. Uh, and oh, yeah. <laughs> so like I have been hearing about JoJo's for a long time uh, just via her. And uh, uh, I got to, to uh, try out for that role. Interestingly, um, they I feel like they kind of already wanted me for that particular role because the audition process was I sent it in. And then I would get some notes, I'd make some adjustments, send it back in, get some more notes, and then I'd send it back in again. And then they were like, okay, thank you. And then I didn't hear anything from them. And then like a month later, they're like, so we want to book you for the role. So I, I feel like they kind of already knew they wanted me for that particular role. Um, and yeah, the uh, boy, the dubbing process for that show was intense. Uh, we had, unfortunately, kind of a, a limited amount of time to get through it all. And so a lot of it was like, we got four hours in the morning, an hour break for lunch, then four hours in the evening slash afternoon. So it was a ton of very intense, uh, vocally stressful recordings. And we had to get through part two quickly to get it all done and, and so it could be mixed and ready to go. So a lot of it was very much fly by the seat of your pants, 
do the best job you possibly can and cross your fingers and hope it sounds good. And uh, I, I think I think by and large, people tended to like it. Um, there is, you know, it's it's JoJo's. And so there is that that sort of intensity that you have to bring. Um, it's not meant it's not a subtle anime. It's not, you know, erased where everything is like very, very real and down to earth and grounded it's super zany and intense and i'm like well i can do that that's what i did on codename kids next door for like like three or four years that we recorded those six seasons so uh it was fine um and uh yeah the the experience was just it was quick but it was fun and um just uh a lot of a lot of intensity behind everything just to kind of you know get through the sessions lots of drinking a lot of water uh <laughs> And uh, doing my best to just, like, take care of my throat so I didn't pull anything. But, uh, yeah, we, we got through it all. And uh, the only thing I think anybody ever has an issue with is that parts one and two have accents and then parts three and four were don't. Um, and that's just kind of like, uh, it's it's an inconsistency, I think. But it, the, it, it's also because I believe the, uh, I think it's... Well, I want to say it's Viz are the ones who did parts three and forward, and it was like Warner Japan did parts one and two, and that's why there's that discrepancy. But yeah, that's that's other than that, I, I feel like it uh, it was mostly it was mostly good, and and I had a really good time working on it. So I'm 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 yeah. By and so large, you could pretty much say that Georges. you could probably thank Kira Buckland for trying mm, kind of indirectly getting you into JoJo, and yeah. Um, trying out for the role of Joseph and um yeah at least we get to hear um I know you say this a lot but Joseph Joestar is pretty much number one Nigel if he was more grown up and mature <laughs> I guess that's the best description yeah more grown up Nigel well let's not go too far let's not say mature but sure sure grown up yeah it was it was it was I mean number one was my was my my natural speaking voice when I was that age with a British accent and Nigel Luna excuse me uh, Joseph Joestar is basically my voice now but with a British accent and a little bit deeper yeah so yeah that's, and I know yeah. that it must have been <laughs> there, there's it a was lot of really quick there. Uh, sure. <laughs> and yet a very chaotic fun run I mean I guess that's the reason why they really don't say JoJo's Bizarre it really puts the bizarre in his name eh eh <laughs> uh, okay I, I'm I'm out goodbye good night folks. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I remember watching part one and going, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, like, I watched part one and I was like, I don't get it. I mean, okay, it's a little bizarre, but it's basically a vampire story. How crazy does this get? And then, like, part two, and then there's, like, a living brain. A guy turns his hand into a squirrel, and I'm like, okay. Oh, definitely. You know what? Now I get it. Um, part like, two is sure, where it becomes yeah. a lot more bizarre, and then it Let's just keeps getting wackier and weirder okay. as oh, the okay. Look, on, and truly uh, up to have, it. you know, um... Oh, wow, I'm not even sure if I could say it here, but, you know, you have these um, certain German soldiers in the show, and it makes references to World War II, and you kind of know where I'm going with this. So, in case I'm not going to um, politically incorrect here, I guess I'll just say, yeah, definitely gets bizarre. That's all I'm going to say. So, um, yeah, and now let's... Um, yeah, you did mention a certain little hyena, so, um, yeah, and it kind of got you more involved, and you, that's pretty much where you kind of discovered, stumbled into, I guess, let's say the furry fandom, per se. Um, tell us about Hida. Yeah, so let's talk about Hida. Hida. However his name is pronounced, I'm so sorry. Um, talk aggressive Yeah. That's fair. 
Sure. Okay, gotcha. Got it. No, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, hyda, like a, like hyena instead of, but with a, uh, instead of a, an N, there's a D. Hyda, hyena. There you go. Anyway, uh, yeah, Hyda is, um, uh, he's, uh, Hyda is basically, it's my regular speaking voice for one thing, and it's my personality from like before I met my wife. Like, just this like guy who really tries to do the right thing, but is often kind of a screw up and uh, very awkward and nerdy. And that's, and that, yeah. So like, it's, it's, it takes me back to just like maybe about, I don't know, six years ago or so, uh, of, of just me being myself. Um, when I, when I tried out for that particular role, I don't know why I just, I thought to myself, this dude has a crush on the main character and I'm going to play the audition sides like that. I have no idea why it turned out I was right. Uh, but like, I just, it was like weird instinct. And, um, so I like, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, the lines I, I read them something like, um, oh, uh, well, I don't envy you girls one bit. I'm like, what's up? Hey ladies. And, um, the, uh, <laughs> they hired yep. me and then they were like, listen, we like your voice. We didn't like the performance, so that's like way too like kind of sleazy, kind of like uh, we're not. We're, we're he's not a ladies' man. And I'm like, oh, so you just want me to use my regular speaking? It voice? must and have like, been a dream yeah. come and true. I'm like, okay, like and that. so <laughs> you want me to play a dork with my regular speaking voice? And they're like, yes, and I'm like, so you just want me to be myself? And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, okay, and so that's that's just the character. <laughs> Heck yeah, it's it's nice. It's I don't even really consider that too much. Acting. Yeah, now it's all it's coming like, back to oh, you, yeah. big boy. Remember that? Remember when you were that stupid, <laughs> Ben? Boy. Yeah, so, just yeah. do that. Um, and like I mentioned, it kind of got. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back, and like I mentioned, it got you, led you to discover the furry fandom. So it's all coming. Yeah, back. on Twitter, and yeah, tell us a little bit more. Tell us about that. <laughs> You know, I feel like I feel like the furries get kind of like a really rough treatment on the internet because it's look, the bigger a group is, and this is just true for absolutely any group, the bigger the group is, the larger that the very small percent of really really weird crazy people uh gets. So like even if like the crazy people in a large group are like 0.01%, if there's like a million people in that group, well that 0.01% is actually like a lot of people. And so those are usually the loudest voices in any group are the crazies. And I think that they tend to color the group very unfairly. So like, yeah, look, of course, there are, I will, I will not go into detail, but there are some very unpleasant people in the furry fandom. But by and large, it's mostly really nice people. It's mostly people who are just like artists. They like drawing and they like painting and they like sculpting and costume making and acting and dancing. It's it's basically a bunch of people who I would honestly be friends with in real yes, life rated PG who are also just into this stuff. So after seeing like the worst of the furry fandom, I will not go into detail. Rated PG, this podcast B. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I went there. I went down that rabbit hole just to see, all right, what's the worst stuff out there? Let me just see it and see if I can take it. And I'm like, all right, I've seen the worst. You know what? Screw it. This is not that bad. I can handle this. Okay. And, 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 and that was it. And then everybody else has been like largely very kind and, and friendly and like going to their conventions. I've only been to two, uh, but both of them were positive experiences with really nice people. So yeah, like uh, overall, 
it's a it's a fandom that gets looked down upon by the internet yeah, very very much. harshly. So but tell it's us about your experience of, of like going cartoons. to like you know. So like if you um, like cartoons well, and anime, just going you're to probably friends with somebody who's in the furry fandom. You might not even know it. That's that's kind of what it's like. Let's talk about yeah. Oh yeah, the the con experience is 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 a unique one for me because again, I do not consider myself a celebrity. I don't consider myself famous. I, I'm not like a rich dude or anything like that, living in a palatial mansion or anything like that. So when you go to a convention, though, you're kind of treated like one. I mean, you suddenly it's like this alternate reality where like you're this big famous person and everybody like you know wants to meet you and talk to you and cares about what you have to say and it's it's kind of it's kind of a shell shock experience uh and then eventually you start getting used to it and it you know it different people react to conventions i think very differently you know there are some who will go to a convention and they just kind of they're just taken aback by how nice people are and like that's it and then you get people who unfortunately they go to conventions and they develop a, a very big head and um they become problematic their behavior is no good and they sort of abuse their position of uh of influence and it's it's kind of a disaster i won't go into specifics on that but you might you might have a, a couple of uh, uh names come to mind um but yeah that's it's it's largely just this larger than life strange experience where you're this celebrity for like a weekend and then you go back to you know being a normal person who goes out for a walk and nobody knows who the heck you are and nobody cares so it's 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 kind of it's just kind of strange but um they they are fun um uh there's there are a lot there there are a lot more work than you realize because you spend most of the convention running around doing different things doing different panels hosting things and talking to people and signing autographs and and meeting people and then you go back to your hotel room and then you just kind of like if you're like me and you're introverted you go oh my god i'm so exhausted from all this social interaction and then you just pass out uh but that's but largely though they are fun experiences and it's just neat to experience that kind of um pseudo celebrity life just like once and then you go all right i know what this is like and then you can kind of like tailor it to whatever you feel most comfortable with like there there are actors who do like a convention well they did anyway before covid uh but like a convention like every weekend or every other weekend i'm like i'll do maybe three or four in like a year and oh, i'm yeah, good. definitely and, and then i've and had my like experience going to the and that's great. That you, but it's you it's, it's neat to be able to kind of choose that level of exposure for yourself rather than having the world just sort of dictate it like if you were an actual celebrity um the furry conventions are they're it's it's really it's honestly the same as like an anime convention it's mostly it's people in costumes which is pretty common it's people who want who want to take a picture with you and uh uh like have you sign something that like maybe a, a photo or or a print or or some like a badge or something like that um you talk about what you do uh like it's it's honestly not really that different except that it's kind of like the equivalent of i would say it's kind of like going to the ren fair you know what i mean where it's like it's a bunch of people who are in character kind of performing as their characters pretty much constantly um until obviously until there's like some sort of a situation where like they got to take the head off because they're like overheating or it's uh it's it's they're they're guests at a panel and they're just there to be regular people in the audience but like there's a lot of that like playing pretend that is very common amongst like just the acting community so for me like to see somebody like pretending to be like a wolf or or a, a, a small kitten 
like that's not that's not abnormal to me. That's just sort of like, oh yeah, that's the kind of stuff that yeah, I would so do. Yeah, so going back to Aggressive so, real okay. quick, um, it, it's it's for, it's uh, you know it's it's really not that different, Haina. I guess, from um, from an so anime you convention. Except that instead of dressing up like anime characters, they're dressing up like their own original So what are also I know they say that voice actors are not their their characters. So what do you identify with the most from Haida? Um, uh, definitely hey. is, uh, awkward behavior around women. Yeah, that's, that was me. That boy. Yeah. Let me tell you something, uh, ladies of the world, if you're listening, you better thank my wife up and down because she took me off the market. So you don't got to deal with me. Uh, but yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say his, his, his incredible awkwardness. He's not a bad person, but boy, he's, he, he, he can be a complete idiot. And that, that's absolutely me. So I would say that. Uh, but yes, of course, it, it does have to be said, unfortunately, that like voice actors are not their characters, and it has to be said primarily uh, for female voice actors, because typically the experience if you are a woman and you are trying to be an actor is very different from when you're a dude. Uh, women voice actors tend to get the creepier fans, they get to, they tend to get the more intense fans, and they also get to, the most scrutiny from people watching their stuff of like, oh, well, you're, I, gee, I, I heard the voice, I thought you'd be hot, but you're not. Like, like, really gross behavior like that. So, I mean, that's, that's mainly what that statement is for. It's not, like, I'm not worried that somebody's gonna sexually harass me at a convention, but if you're a woman, you, you, you want to draw that very clear line of, yeah, I play this sexy Definitely temptress in this show, but I am not that person. Here, Do not treat yeah, me like that. I have, don't, uh, don't quite, uh, I've know heard how to some separate stories reality from, from fantasy you know, the female times, voice and, uh, actresses. Uh, it shows in some you know, really unpleasant ways, unfortunately. little unpleasant but, yeah, encounters, kind of and yeah, especially if you're going to a convention. Or if, like, if you're in a cosplay, or if you're voicing, like, you know, this female feminine fatale, fatale. Yeah, it, 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 it gets, it's rough. Yeah, it gets rough, buddy. So, like I said, I'm, yeah, it could get pretty nasty. So, um, yeah, I'm just gonna say this right now, um, just... Please treat people, voice actors, they are people it too. Weird. Just yeah, it treat can, them it with get, kindness it and respect. Problematic, and, I'll say that to Yeah, you. they'll Polite. treat you with but the yeah. kindness and respect back. Just, uh, I guess a big advice that I could give is, um, be nice, be kind, treat people with respect. Don't treat them like garbage or don't be creepy to them. Just um, throwing this out there. And yeah, <laughs> that's just all I can really say. So, um... Yeah, and um, for season three of Regrets to Go, uh, because you have worked on the show for a while, um, and knowing Haida, Haida, and um, you know, seeing the show itself, so um, season three, um, what would you say about season three of Regrets to Go so far? Uh, I think season three of Agretzko is probably the most emotionally complicated one yet, uh, which is saying something because that's kind of the show's strong suit, is that it has cutesy little animal creatures. Oh, it's from Sunwheel. They made Hello Kitty. But then the characters are surprisingly deep and deal with, like, some real-world SHIT. Um, and so, like, 
it's it's very complex because you see all the different facets of the main character of Retzko kind of fighting with each other throughout the season of the, there's the hard good working girl that she has there's the immense self doubt that she has there's her secret uh being exposed to other people that she has to deal with and all of this kind of comes collectively and and hits together in this very dramatic uh season finale uh where I won't spoil it but like stuff happens and it's like yikes so um it's it's definitely worth a watch it's and it's it's a bit controversial uh due to some of the way that her experience is handled by the show but it's ultimately i think it's pretty smart maybe a, a teeny bit rushed i wish we had like either a longer final episode or or maybe a, a, a two episodes at the end instead of just the one but it um it's it's it, it it it's one of those things. That it's you you started watching it because you're like, I want to see cute little character get angry about work, and now it's like, oh my gosh, I care about this character, and I just want to see her happy, oh, and so I don't want to see her kind get of hurt. Like on and the, that's kind of what, like it's, uh, what season sort of like three when you're is. Watching it's Bo- just her Bojack oh, Horseman. The music, if I'm just saying, um, using this but, um, as uh, uh, not a comparison, is, but I'm just saying as an example uh, where it starts off as like, oh, is it kind of going to be like you know your typical crude Family Guy esque humor, but then like the more that you watch it the characters are really emotionally complex and you you, you feel you feel for them like dealing with depression and um yeah all sorts of really serious subject matters that they do tackle in that show so um in a way um you could sort of do start relating more to the characters the more that the show like with aggressive go for yeah. this instance um the more that it goes on the more that you could really connect and um you could really yeah like these characters, they seem like real people. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of like that's how people really seem. I mean, I know with the you know the fandom, it's not just like you know they draw or like it's not about like you know some NSFW stuff. But yeah. they found they, they're hard. They sort of have this um, this fondness, and um, they just find themselves glued to how the characters are with the personalities. It could be based on real life experiences. Who knows? But um, yeah, just really wanted to share this because um, I know that a lot of voice actors, what they do, um, they voice, they play characters that audiences can really connect to and they have an emotional connection to. So yeah, I know that it's certainly the case with Aggressive Go. Any others that seem to come to mind? Um, I mean, that's, I think, I mean, it gets better, but oh boy, yeah, uh, that I've worked on. (laughs) Uh, You do not want to sit down and watch it in one sitting. Bojack Horseman. Do not want to watch it in one sitting. The first episode, and I was like, I don't know, and I stopped watching it, and I heard, it gets depressing. I don't know if I want to watch that, but like, yeah, it's one of those, like, every season is like another, geez. Yeah. But yeah, it's. It's that kind of thing. But, like, I would say, no, Gretzko is probably the most relatable show that I've worked on. It's the most down-to-earth yeah, and grounded, sure despite true, the true. fact that it's a bunch so of So let's talk about another very and, good and boy um, that you play on um, Beastars. Yeah, um, uh, let me look up his name uh, real I guess that's quick. the answer to that question. Um, Sorry. <laughs> wow, okay. Gee, way to go, Mystic. Um... Okay, yeah, Jack, thank you. Yeah, so Jack, let's... 
Yeah. Well, uh, Jack. his, his Let's name talk is about Jack. Jack. Um, so he's the. Uh... Yeah, no problem. I was like, I don't, I'm sitting here like, why am I making like Robert just like just dangling there? I'm like, I could just say his name. Jeez, I think I'm he's dumb. a Labrador. Anyway, yeah, his name's Jack, and yeah, Jack is a uh, he's a. Uh, He's a positive character. Uh, he's just, um, he's, I believe he's a lab, I believe. Or he's, he's either a lab or a golden retriever? I think he's a lab, though. Um, but anyway, it, it doesn't really matter. He's a dog. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, it's interesting because, like, in season one, Jack is a pretty minor character, and he doesn't really have a lot, but, like, I, I mean, I'm up to date with the manga. The character also grows and evolves and shows that he's not just this super friendly, happy puppy all the time. He actually is dealing with a lot of stress in his life and depression and stuff like that. So that's another one of those shows where it's like, you know, the the the, the driving force behind Beastars is not the action. It's the characters. The characters becoming more fleshed out and more real and grounded despite their own particular uh, uh, struggles, which is... Giant carnivore wants to eat small bunny, but also loves small bunny. And how will they work this out? And it's you know, there's there's that like constant tension of is he gonna eat the bunny? Is he gonna eat the bunny? Oh god, don't eat the bunny! Don't eat the bunny! Oh my god, is he? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what drives that show forward at all times on an emotional level. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I watched so, a clip I mean, for and one, I like, really enjoyed. Like, all of my lines I, for you know, one that little like, song that you're saying. Um, in that's one really clip. all uh, Jack has to do. Is you know just the one where Jack is doggo um, at first, um, and then he's talking he just to the main character, and then he does like you know the little cute little dancing. Yeah, that was really cute. Yeah, it must have been a lot of fun recording that. I could tell. So, E. Definitely. Because the voiceover is about having fun. Just go out there and do your own thing, folks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I know there's yeah, yeah plenty more characters oh, that you have done over the years, like um, for Misaki, from K, K oh, yeah. and yeah, so many others. But yeah, I think we just covered pretty much the main list of characters you've uh, portrayed over the years, an uh, extensive amount of work. So, um, what are some, because you That's did it. talk about, like, you know, for Haida, um, because you did, like, a smooth, suave kind of voice, and then they told you, no, just be you. So what are some tips you can, you have for people out there who want to get into this for taking direction? Uh, are you still there? Well, for taking direction, um, well, first of all, experience is going to be your your best option. Uh, so take lessons. So, yeah, you are going to you. Um, a lot of this stuff does not necessarily come naturally to a lot of people because we don't really think like that, right? Like, like if I'm angry at somebody, I'm not going. But how do I sound angry? Like I'm just I'm just naturally ticked off, and so it comes through in my 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 voice and my uh st the way I stand, the way I look at them, right? It's just there because it's real, and so. It, this sort of makes you think uh, uh, like a little bit more psychologically about like what do you actually go through when you're experiencing this particular emotion, and then how do you translate that into uh, the voice itself? As because you know this is voiceover, they can't see your face. So if you just glare and you sound exactly the way you do when you're not angry, it doesn't translate. So a lot of this is just going to be experience. A lot of it is is working with a director or, or a teacher who is going to help you make those tweaks until they start to feel a little bit more natural and they become a little bit more a part of what you do 
uh, as your own instinct as an actor. And once once you have that that like level of experience where like you know how to sound angry, you know how to sound sad, you know how to sound guilty, you know which words to emphasize, etc. Then it's just it's no longer directing in the sense of teaching you how to act. It's more directing in the sense of we're just going to nudge you in one direction or another that we'd prefer you to go in. And that's where that's where you've really started to hit your stride as a performer is Perfectly sad. your A-take, so your B-take, your C-take. They're more all good. Into, they're just different. Like, and then the director know, has to singing, have a hard decision about which one they really want to pick. Question. <laughs> uh, but again, experience, to answer your question more directly, experience is ultimately <laughs> the best uh, teacher. Um, so like, like I, if you, if you want me to give you advice for how to take direction, it would be keep mm. taking direction until it becomes yeah. something that you're good at. That's, <laughs> that's the best thing you can do. Uh, God, no, no, I am, I am not a singer at all. Like I, I, here's the, every time there's like an audition that comes out and it's like, must be able to sing. I try to turn it down because I'm like, listen, this is, I'm like, please don't make me sing. And sometimes I've been surprised at a session where they're like, and so today you're going to sing a song. Here's the music. You're ready to go, right? And I'm just like, no, I'm not. I need like a week to come even close after practicing this whole time to maybe sounding like I'm kind of on key. Jeez, why didn't you tell me? And then I, and they're like, oh, you'll be fine. And then I sing and they're like, wow, that wasn't very good. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you think, uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I am not a singer. I get zero enjoyment out of it. It is hugely embarrassing to me to hear my own voice singing. It's it, I have uh, for for singing what everybody on, who's a beginner a actor, especially actor, voice actor, has when they hear their I own voice <laughs> play back to them. They go, "I know, oh, probably God, a lot of people say like? that." I, that's me no, with singing. Stop it! And it are. has never left. And it is it is something that <laughs> Come on. just torments me. I mean, me okay. So, nope, so uh, since we're no, gonna, I'll, I'll just ask this question. Don't like it. Don't feel comfortable with it. Probably should learn how. But I can't get over my own insecurities long enough to probably. I wish I could have did a better one. Oh, I wish. The, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, it, the challenges of being an actor is just kind of like, we can really be um, our own... I don't want to oh, say yeah. our own worst enemies, but I, mean, um, I, I look really back at like stuff I just critics, recorded man. and go, "Wow, that was what I did." Yeah. Oh, God, I'm dumb. Why didn't I do yeah, it this way? And sometimes even you for just, projects yeah. that I'm really proud of, I can always find some line where I'm like, "You know what? I had a better performance in me than that." Dang it! Wow, I never even looked at it that way. So thanks. And sometimes we just need that encouragement and. Um, which is, it, we're lucky that, you know, it's a very supportive, loving, and kind community, and Absolutely. people are saying, dude, you've already progressed side, though, so when, far. When you're your own, like, when you're your own harshest so hard critic, yourself. you tend to improve I just pretty quickly because you're always being hard terrific. on yourself. And, and it's yeah, better you know, that it than just somebody really else. Feels That's how I look at it. people start complimenting you, and um, it kind of gives you a little bit of an, uh, a confidence boost and kind of an e ego boost. But yeah, confidence is definitely the most important thing. It's key. Yeah. 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 It's weird. Like I, every time somebody says something nice to me, I just kick myself and go, God, that's not true. 
no, that's none of that is true. This person doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. If they if they knew how god awful this man. I am, they would just they would laugh in my face. Oh my god, this is this is a very nice person, and they're they're so kind to me. But oh god, I have so far to go. But oh at the same time, god. because wow. I'm always thinking that way, I'm always I don't even like, do that. Improving. So hopefully, I will keep going and getting better, yeah, and then just somehow still be super hard on myself. And yeah, for uh, Muppet Babies, and, and yeah. look at myself in the mirror and go, "You are the worst. You are just actually though, Ben, the worst. You suck at this." Why does anybody hire you? I have no idea, but you know what? All right, just have fun, I guess. Eventually, they're going to realize you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, dude, I literally I literally won an Emmy. It's sitting in front of my television, and I can stare at it. Uh, thanks, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but like, I mean, here's what I'm thinking. I look at that and I go, an yeah, Emmy okay, eventually, they're going to pound on the door, know, the, like the Emmy committee. You know, I don't even know what that would look like. And they're going to be like, sorry, we gave this to the wrong actor. Oh, we're just taking that back now. And I'll be like, you know what? Thought it was coming. Knew it was coming. Have a nice day. Thank you. Thanks for letting me babysit this thing. That's how I view it. So like, no, it's like constant level of me just beating the hell out of myself. Let's have some fun with this. I mean, I like Muppets, so yeah. And now you want an Emmy for it. So congrats, congrats, congrats. So, um, ye. So, um, are there any plans for the future you want to discuss? Any upcoming projects or other work? I mean, of course, you could talk about it. Uh, That's not under NDA that we could look forward to. Yeah. Well, thanks. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's always the the tough thing is because I'm like I'm never really aware of like what that I've done is just now coming out, but I am aware of what I'm working on that I can't talk about. Uh, but uh, let's see. Um, oh, uh, a game I worked on called Thirteen Sentinels. I believe it's pronounced Aegis Rim. Uh, is coming out uh, either today, the twentieth of September, or tomorrow, or or, or sometime like it's definitely this this month. Uh, and I play a bunch of characters in that, and it's really fun. And has, like, one of the most complicated plot lines I've ever seen, including Kingdom Hearts. Um, and, uh, I'm working on That's some good. cool shows. One is a neat one, and it's for Netflix. And I'd like to talk about it, but they would kill me. So I can't. But it's cool. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, just, I guess, I mean, if you want to stay up to date with... All of the Ben Diskin news. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Benjamin Diskin. Yeah, I gotta get back to the community. Ben I mean, news, um, I mean, it's always just pretty much like um, they've got your back, you got there. So yeah, bada bing, bada boom. Um, but that's so, yeah, um, that's yeah, I guess that's that's my big plug. Follow me on the Twitter. I guess we could also talk really about your favorite like, childhood. A, a boring time. Um, I guess follow me on stop, Instagram where like, I never post anything at Ben Diskin. Favorite anything. There you there you go. That's my that's my that's my shameless plug that I do. Uh, well, let's see, as a kid, um, well, I grew up on the, I guess it would be the Oceans dub of Dragon Ball Z from, like, back when it was being done in Canada, 
Uh, that like was like what got me into like anime. Like I, I my first anime was actually Sailor Moon, but I didn't realize that that was Japanese. I had no concept that that came from Japan. Um, but like DBZ was the thing that made me go, oh, oh, there's some cool shows out there. How do I get on this one? And I didn't know it was being done in Canada. So uh, like there was zero chance of me ever working on that project. But um, yeah, uh, I, I would say probably that. I, of course, Ninja Turtles, the the 80s cartoon is the one I grew up with. Um, there was Saturday morning cartoons, so like Spider-Man and the X-Men and all that stuff. Uh, uh, I was always big into video games. Yeah, so I'm so like anything on the NES of, or like, Super you know, NES the uh, was stuff I played, like Zelda. Um, the show, uh, out of curiosity? A Link Between, or <laughs> a Link Between Worlds. That's, that's 3DS, Ben. Uh, a Link just to the, the Muppets in for, general. Um, yeah. uh, Super Nintendo, of course, the original, and Zelda 2, which I actually do like. Um, and, uh, just, uh... Yeah, like if it was around in the 90s, I was probably, I was a typical 90s kid and I was into it. So, yeah, that's probably uh, it. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, that was that was one of the many shows I watched. That, that... Yes. Oh, God, a Muppet Christmas Carol is, to this day, one of the best movies out there. Uh, and same thing with a Muppet... Uh, family Christmas, I believe is what it was called. It's like their other Christmas special where everybody like uh, invades Fozzie's mom's house. It's like it's like this it's 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 like this made for TV movie and it's really, really terrific. And it actually has uh, um, the Muppets. Uh, Sesame Street, and then there's like a a, um, a home movie segment where they have Muppet babies, uh, and they have them in there too. So it's like it, it yeah, it's so like all it's three worlds. Like, oh, and Fraggle Rock another also case is where part you of that too. So like they had like all of the, the, the Muppet franchises so like, uh, in okay, one cool. movie, nice. <laughs> and it was like really cool to see. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I was a Muppets. Uh, I wouldn't yep. say I was a Muppets so, fan, um, but I definitely was like aware of them. And I watched yourself, a lot of Muppets like Sesame Street, and you know all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, getting to work on, like, the new show is just like, oh, that's cool. Okay. And, yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, I have a, um, a split in my Splanknik ganglium. No, I have no idea. I, I don't have any fun trivia oh, facts. Okay. I'm just making well, nonsense also, up. Did you also, um, uh, no. uh, I guess, for Kingdom Hearts, um, before you were actually seeing uh, did you also grow up playing the Boy, games? I got nothing for you. I, w- I wish I had something clever to say here and be like, I am actually a professional scuba diver and part-time goldfish retriever. I, but I got nothing. Uh, so, sorry. There's, there's your trivia. It's, it's complete nonsense, and it, it's not true at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I played uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 back on PS2, and, and, also, and then I went right into P- to Kingdom Hearts yeah, 2. Yeah, how did you Having not wife? played Chain of Memories and went, who the heck are all of these characters in the black robes? Okay, I guess that's just a thing now. Uh, and then later on realized, oh, there's a whole bunch of spin-off games that I didn't play because I didn't have those systems or didn't play those games. Oh, I guess I got to do my research now. So, yeah. But, uh, yes, I, I wouldn't say I was, like, a, a huge fan of them, but my wife was. So that that's actually kind of how we met. So if you want, you want a trivia question, you want a trivia, I met my wife because she is a Kingdom Hearts fan. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she was a Kingdom Hearts fan, and uh, she recognized my voice as young Xehanort 
because uh, she had started watching some reruns of Codename Kids Next Door and went, boy, that voice sounds so familiar. Where have I heard that? Realized it was the voice of young Xehanort from Dream Drive Distance, which she was already playing at the time. And then Aww, she like sent me like a Facebook <laughs> messenger message um, and was just so like, yeah, I guess hey, Kingdom I really Hearts like was what brought you like, two hey, together. You seem, so, like, nice um, and also I guess you could pretty much say and so I started that talking Kingdom Hearts. To her, and then we just had this correspondence that oh, went yes. back and forth for like, oh, a couple I see of months. What you and then did there. Nice. Start, so she, she came out to Los Angeles. We went out on a couple of dates. It was the game. It was what brought you two together. And then fiance and now husband and and that's how that's how yeah marriage is a pretty interesting um little there is a lot of really um funny um kooky interesting ways of how people could get engaged my darkness they found found their true love one so yeah at least we you could thank kingdom hearts for that thanks disney and square yeah 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 so yeah Oh, yeah, I was going to ask, um, thoughts on the series itself and your favorite experiences with it. <laughs> yeah. I sure can. Thanks, Kingdom Hearts. Thanks, Disney. You brought me and my wife together. And confused us all at the same time because of the plot is confusing. Oh, I mean, like, I so like I actually get a kick out of just how complicated the plot is. Like, I, I joke about it a lot, but I actually really like how, like, you can't really tell what's going to happen. Like, like after Kingdom Hearts 3, it's like, oh, apparently, I guess there's this Final Fantasy-like existence that we thought was just a video game within the video, within this video game. It's actually also a real world, and what? And the guy from that is, like, kind of like Noctis from Final Fantasy XV, yeah, but he's not. Yeah, favorite moments? What? So, like, they just, keep, they just keep pulling new stunts, and you're just like, when are you guys going to run out of ideas? And how do you do this? Is there, like, a dartboard? And it's just like, you just put a bunch of crazy ideas and just start blindfolded, throwing things at the wall until something hits? Like, what? How do you, how do you plan for all this? But somehow, there's a master plan and it's like insane and it's always really it's it's just exciting i think to be a part of a series that does not stop transforming <laughs> okay <laughs> it's so this is stupid but it's my favorite moment in specifically in kingdom hearts 3 um and it's because like look uh sora i love i love i love sora sora's not the the the, the sharpest uh thumbtack in the box so to speak um, and, uh, so, um, Mickey is talking with Riku about rescuing Aqua from, like, the world of darkness. And he, like, just kind of offhandedly mentions to Riku, he's like, Oh, actually, she's, she reminds me a lot of Sora! And, like, Riku's response to that is not, oh, that's neat, it's just, what? Like, like, totally, like, oh my god, what? And, and, and Mickey's very quick to respond, he's like, no, 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 strong like Sora! And he's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh, what a relief it is that she, that she's not a raving idiot just like Sora is. And so I thought that was, like, one of the best. Like, like Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, in my opinion, they they mostly, there's a lot of telling. I'm told that, like, Sora is kind of incompetent and that, like, he and Goofy and Donald are friends. But, like, Kingdom Hearts 3 really showed that relationship they showed just why like Sora is not a master yet because he is kind of an idiot and like Donald and Goofy are just constantly ragging on him throughout Kingdom Hearts 3 and I'm like okay I actually buy this like bromance thing now this actually you, you sold me and on also this the beautiful and like rose. and the fact that like yeah <laughs> I even think though Sora is maxed out at level 99 at the end of every game um, 
do you know who you're talking to? I'm the Lord of the Dead. And then they come back. He's just kind of there, and it's just sort of funny and kind of a dope. Got him. So, like, that's kind of my favorite moments in just the entire franchise when they just kind of acknowledge just how, like, nutty things can get. We're going to go to a lightning round here. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite. What are the challenges? All right. What are the challenges of favorite parts of doing what you love doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, and who are your favorites in pretty much all kind of media in general of all um, time? The Sacrifice. Um, it's it's about recognizing that this takes time. You know, it's very, 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 very rare that somebody is new, they show up, and then suddenly they're just in everything. It usually, whenever you see that situation, it's actually somebody who has been doing this for, like, years, and you just didn't even know who they were. Um, so, yeah, the toughest thing is is the patience and the tenacity to just keep oh, going. Oh, we all love uh, some bad guys. I mean, you do play a lot of them, so, yeah. <laughs> You've got that going on for you. So, okay. And um, since we are unfortunately... Uh, it's, it's always the villains So since we are unfortunately um, I love, dealing I love with the pandemic right now... villain characters are always the most fascinating, the most keeps nuanced, you occupied the most fun to play, and the most disturbing to play. And it's, it's, what are your it's nice to just step out of yourself completely and play somebody who's wildly different from you, and that's what most villains uh, tend to be. So I'd say the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Have fun. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, I mean, so is like, it kind of tricky it's, it's nothing interesting. to balance it's, out I'm playing the video games. I got that the new uh, Mario collection, the 3D collection that's, that's probably coming in the mail today, so I will be diving into some nostalgia. Um, but like, it's, it's watching TV and it's playing video games. It's, I, I wish I could, I was like, oh yeah, secretly. I also, uh, the forge swords. I'm a blacksmith. Didn't you know? But I, no, I don't have anything that cool. Uh, I'm just, I, if, if, if you are a nerd and you're listening to this, chances are whatever your hobbies are, are probably my hobbies and that's it. Yeah. So, um, I know you kind of already answered this, but what would be your ultimate not idealistic, probably idealistic. Uh, not but really, because they're they're so lined up with each other. I mean, like you know, there's there's nothing particularly oh, cool about in standing life. in a room by yourself and making an idiot out of yourself professionally. So being like not very cool myself, that's actually a, a very easy transition for me, I guess, to just be like, all right, I got to make an idiot out of myself, but hey, at least I'm getting paid for it. So woohoo! That's a pretty good mindset to have, my good sir. And um, so I don't really, I think this is a question that, um, this is my uh, first my dream time what in life? even asking this on the podcast, but um, this is a completely new oh, one. My, oh, so, my, um, my dream goal. What oh, would you say um, um, if you were honestly, not, um, as stupid if as you're it sounds, not a voice just actor, going, so what would you actually be doing what I'm doing right now? Because I'm, I'm really happy doing this. And uh, uh, I'm happy being a voice actor. I'm happy being a nerd. I'm happy just being myself and so i just kind of hope that that keeps on going and uh, doesn't slow down anytime soon
That's a good question. Yeah, um, I have no idea. I, I think it would probably be something in film, maybe like editing or camera work or something like that. Uh, just because I mean that's what I that's that's my degree is is in television and film. That's oh, what I got oh my yeah, probably a good in. thing you did mention uh, but that like, you know you have the yeah. Uh, I I really uh, don't like know because um, I do uh, what have, I would like, be doing right now if it weren't for, just for minor, the entertainment but, um, industry. Um, and, yeah, I could still be able to project I'd, well. And, I'd like to say you know, it'd be something cool, like an astronaut, but knowing me, I don't think I. I mean, good thing that you mentioned that because qualified to make it into the astronaut program. I'm pretty sure you'd be able to believe. Yeah, especially during these times. Yeah, no, it's probably uh, best yeah, to just I, I got introverts really for life. Be introverted as much as you can. Other aspect of the entertainment indoors. industry, probably. And that's really not being mean. I'm just saying, because oh boy, yeah, probably a good idea that you've been doing. Um, still doing voiceover work, just you know, in your booth inside at home, so not have to deal with the real world. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. But um, yep, yes, and um. Could you also demonstrate your vocal range? Because I know you've probably done, you know, a couple of voices here and there. But, um, yeah, what are you capable of with your acting? <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Um, well, uh, I mean, if you ask me, I'm not that capable, but, um, I've, I've, uh, let's see, I, I've done grounded, uh, voiceover work before. Uh, where it's just very like we're we're going for a really realistic vibe, and we don't want that quote unquote voiceover or anime sound. Um, I've also done plenty of the anime sound, you know, that like yes, I am the lead role in this show. <laughs> that sort of like thing, because like it works for that particular uh, for that particular show. A lot a lot of shonen shows kind of need that sort of energy. Um, I've I've played super zany cartoon characters. I've done commercial reads where it's just like. Um, yeah, hey, I'm a regular guy, and I'm just um, showing up. Uh, like to order something from Jack in the Box, please. Thank you. Just that kind of like whatever, and it's um, it's it's it, it's it's cool because it kind of keeps you on your toes. I think um, uh, because you're never playing the same character twice. Hopefully, hopefully, you get to play more than just that one type of character. It is voiceover after all. It's 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 not supposed to be based on what you look like. Because if I was doing on camera, man. Here's here's specifically who I am on camera. I am nerd Great. on a soap yeah, opera. That's that a pretty is my, good approach to have. In other words, so, um, I'm not at least I didn't ask you like what would you do if you actually lost sitcom, your job like but I'm not good looking that, enough to be like the lead <laughs> at least I'm role. Not, I didn't so it's like on a show where because, everybody yeah, is absolutely drop sure dead gorgeous. That that's where yeah. I can play Especially the during nerd. this pandemic. And so that's where that's like it. So if I wanted to do on camera, that's basically the only role I could ever play and I'd be super limited and I'd be super bored. So I'm 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 happy to get to to have a career where I can play the nerd and then turn around and an hour later play the jock and it's cool.
Yeah, because I would. Yeah, I don't. A similar question would know. be like, I, I'm, would I you have ever no take other, a shot at like you know yeah, directing no other projects or um, making your I'm, own? Uh, or, you know, doing like, your own. I, I would be screwed. I'm not gonna lie. I would just be like, well, I I don't know what else to do with my life. Uh, maybe maybe I'd go into directing, I guess. But like that's, uh, I'm not even really a big fan of directing. I don't even know if I'd be any good at it. But uh, I guess something like that. If I if I like lost my voice, is I assume is what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of living on the edge, so to speak, and I feel like a lot of voice actors sort of are. I mean, maybe I, if I directed anything, it would it okay. would be like yeah, some sort of small fair. indie project so, um, at first, so I could see if I even liked it on like a smaller like scale, nice where there's not as much pressure to anybody do out a, there who a, may be struggling. Perfect job, um, exactly what you're in doing, the midst but of these uh, just, really trying know. times. It's, it's, it's not really a passion of mine uh, giving direction. It's, it's like just sort of see? like. I yeah. almost feel bad, like I'm trying to correct somebody else. Yeah, and I'm you want like, to give well, some encouragement to all the no, people out there. That's not really how I should, how I would do this, but also I'm not doing this. I don't really know. It's it's not something that I'm super keen on, but I guess I could try it. There's that. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um. Gosh, positive words. Uh. I. I well, okay. I don't know. If, I don't know if this is. I mean, there's always the you don't give up, kids. Believe in yourself. But I don't think that necessarily, really. I, I think anybody could say that. I don't think that necessarily helps anybody. I, I will say this. This there is. There's one piece of advice that I can give uh, to somebody who's like new, um, which is value yourself. Understand that even though you are new to this, you still have value. Um, there are. There is this kind of overwhelming sense of uh, imposter syndrome, and which a lot of people, myself included, still struggle with. Uh, but don't devalue yourself and think, oh, who the heck am I? I'm just some nobody. Like, nobody cares about what I think. Nobody cares about my opinions or, or my needs. The truth is, the the industry as as a whole, it, 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 it is on the shoulders very frequently of the next generation at all times. Because that next generation is the ones who are going to replace all of us. Who are maybe I'm working a lot now, but in the future I might not be. And there's going to be a new person who's going to be playing all the same types of roles that I'm currently playing right now, and I'll be playing like the older roles of like the the fathers, the grandfathers, and the people who were are either retired or maybe even deceased. But like we all we're always looking at the next generation, and sometimes sometimes people can be so hard on themselves that they will like work for very very low rates that they where they actually deserve more despite being new they will sometimes work for free they will uh undercut other people but mainly themselves um is is the the person that they damage the most where like it'll and this isn't for professional projects i mean like for like indie games where like somebody else be like I'll, I'll do it for free i don't care ah. and it's like dude no you you actually do have value and you need to recognize that um and uh, so 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 i would say 
understand right, cool. that so whatever what your experience biggest, level is, like, if you've been hired for a role, uh, you know, if you've been hired for a reason, you and you've been hired because you are right for that. It's, you are the best person that they could get that for doing. that job, and you need to treat yourself with that level of dignity, where you're oh, yeah. not necessarily arrogant, you're not bossy, you're not pushy, but you know that you have value, and you understand when you are being treated well, and when you're not being treated well, you feel okay to stand up for yourself. And, uh, and, and people usually respect that more so than you'd think. So I would say just, just value yourself is, is the best advice I could give. Yeah. And also, thank you for answering, you know, the, any advice you want to give to anyone out there who have similar passions and aspirations to you. You just covered that perfectly. So, thank you. Yay! One last question to, uh, to, my, one my, last question to, my to worry self? about. So, cool, oh. cool. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if going yeah, back in time and guess, slapping um, myself in the face for not being a good enough Halloween, actor's um, advice, which you, but that's probably um, what I do. There's probably going to be no trick-or-treating <laughs> this year. Which you, I don't, I don't um, have good advice like for myself as, in the past um, other you know, than, I guess, don't worry, kid. Keep going. It'll get better. But that's about to it, go out so, yeah i wish i had a <laughs> yeah. better answer for you man sorry whip that bad boy out yeah no problem yay Uh, you know, I yeah because I that first did suit a video with that on, so but um, <laughs> so I was just that thing kind of is went, actually yeah. very very hot, as any like professional fursuiter will tell you. Those things get real hot real quick. Yeah, okay. And, I bet uh, that like if you start going well to conventions again, so, like, once they open if I had to go up, somewhere, I, I would be like, like somebody like who I really trusted is, to kind of guide me around. You know, if it's around Halloween weekend, I bet that would be the for Halloween. Like I, I mean, a I don't get any trick or treaters, and b like it's just sort of I just stay inside with my you could probably stop by and have fans take selfies with you. You're like, oh my gosh, he is Ida in real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. God. The dude who made it is really like a really a solid he job turning a, a 2D okay, character yeah, into like a 3D you know, model. Something like that. Like that. I, I was so, impressed. Yeah, just kind of curious. Um, and I know there's also some other questions. So, are you familiar with the video, um, the voice actor salute, um, where my friend Kai Jordan made a video on you, and yeah, you shared and retweeted it, and that's how you guys met. So yeah, that's on the video, and that somebody went out of their way to <laughs> yeah. dedicate the entire, um, like your career and getting into the, you know, possess about your personality, and yeah, what you think of it, think about it, yeah. Oh, sorry. What are your thoughts on the... Oh, yeah, like Kai Jordan, when he did the video salute for you for, like, um, voice actor salute video? Yeah. Oh, I, I was just asking, what are, you thought, what are your thoughts about the video? And just, yeah. <laughs> A lot of what you just said was super garbled, and I couldn't quite understand it. Uh, something about oh, me no, no, talking no. to it somebody? It was like, it was a tribute that he did where um, he was done, he made like a video essay about, you know, talking about oh, your career, Kai. your oh, roles, yeah. and yeah. 
Yeah, and then you guys actually met in person, so yeah. And I even had a mind um, my podcast. I, honestly, talking about, I don't know, the video quite you, remember so, what yeah, that. I just oh, felt oh, 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 to oh, 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 wait. Okay, it's all slowly but surely coming back to me. Was this an interview I did? I'm asking because I don't remember. That's right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. This was on YouTube. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Just brain fart. Like, oh, no, who, what? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because um, yeah. I know I watched it and I'm like, wow, it, it, cool, this is dude. actually you know, like, pretty well thoroughly uh, researched like and a well thought out essay. Out there are and like um, really I even nice. told Kai this. Uh, yeah. People who are professionals in the industry, really nice. Uh, fans, really nice and it's it's just cool that like you know i mean it was cool if i had just make that video in the first place. I mean, um just, um but yeah that's uh, it, uh yeah <laughs> fan interaction and and interacting with other voice actors is always uh, a, a real treat yeah and, and uh, uh, i actually have met him job, at i don't think i really trade that for uh, anime for expo last year 2009. Yeah, the voiceover club, voice acting club meetup. Yeah, that was where I met him. He was such a nice guy. He even had him on, like I mentioned. And yeah, he's a show dude. Yeah, like that he's he really, actually did um, his research. You know, making history right out there and getting oh, into the business. Some people have made videos and, and the they industry. get like a bunch of stuff he's wrong. Only been and I don't want to be like, you know, Pokemon, wow, that's not uh, accurate at, time we recorded at all. That interview, because I don't want to, I don't want to make them feel bad because they went to all that trouble. But like, no, Kai's actually has like accurate information. I'm like, yo, thank you for knowing what you're talking about. If you're listening to this, you rock man. Cool dude. Love you, man. Yeah, keep on pushing out there. I know it's kind of rough, but yeah, you'll get through, you know, the obstacles that life throws at all of us, pretty much. So, yeah, pulling for you, man, and I got your back, dude. Rock on. So, yeah, you've already self-promoted and plugged in projects and social media. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, any last words you would like to say for all the people out there on, you know, internet land before we wrap up this two-hour-long podcast interview? Yes. Of just us gushing and nerding <laughs> out about geeks for various different media go, and pop culture stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the only thing I would say to anybody who's listening to this, and first of all, if you manage you to, to make me. it through at this point, yeah, you we are almost at the two-hour mark. If you made it through you, this you, whole you freaking lied. interview, you lied. Yo, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, for sticking around. Uh, mm. There is no prize. There is no um, a secret <laughs> kidding, ending I'm bonus I kid, I kid. I kid. Uh, all you, you unlocked and, is uh, me going, yeah, would you thanks like to, a bunch uh, for listening to um, this interview. That's it. So, hope that was worth it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Go follow us on Twitter or social media, I guess, if you want. Have a nice day. The end. Yeah, thank you, Haida. I'm kidding. Anyways. Yeah, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. <laughs>
So yeah, it's just pretty much your own natural speaking voice anyway. So um yeah, thank you so much for list yeah. Thank you for listening to this two hour long interview. So holy moly, gonna have to split this into two parts. That's actually what I am gonna do. So yeah, there's a solution. Cool. So if you want to follow us on social media, feel free to actually follow me and Mystic IRJ um, Instagram. No. It's <laughs> It'll be listed. No. Uh, but, but, it's Robert no, Jackson. Uh, thanks so something. much for listening. Um, and my other social media, I'll just promote. Um, I'll just put them all in all in the description by the time this eventually goes Fair up on SoundCloud. And um, yeah, if you want to check out any recent work that Ben Diskin has been in, or you want to chat about my Twitter, go right ahead. And just feel free to say hi to him. And just, yeah, give him a shout out. Tell him how awesome he is, how much you enjoyed his work. Just shout him with compliments. Just really, uh, voice actors really do appreciate and love that. Yeah quiet you <laughs> um so yeah anyways um yeah my social media um yeah follow me on those and um other projects or stuff that i'm gonna be i'm already in i'll promote them on my feed so stay tuned for that more episodes will be on the way for the station square podcast and with that ladies and gentlemen we are officially concluding we have officially concluded this um big interview here so thank you so much for listening in staying um you know for sticking staying tuned to um if you made it this far good for you you deserve (laughs) a pat on the back and a nice batch of chocolate cookies platter i mean i don't know you can't really receive it because we're um, long distance we're on the internet but yeah as always stay safe keep your social distancing wear a mask and yeah stay stay safe with the fires and yeah love you all Love, 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 love you guys so much, and yeah. And with that said, and in light of the new Animaniacs reboot that is coming out on November 20th, ayo, Hulu, so I'm just gonna give out this quote, I'm gonna steal from Rob Paul and Yakko. Good night, everybody! Bye-bye! And yeah, stay tuned for more Stacia Square, and with that said, I am officially signing out for the day. Mr. Grubbert, tuning out. And yeah. Adios, amigos. Peace. Bye-bye.